You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Toya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Ashley. So glad to have you back in the saddle with me. You just enjoyed an amazing trip of the Carnival for what I understand, but if you will, Queen, say hello to the intellectual outcast out there listening, and welcome you back to the show, Queen. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm good, man. Toronto is amazing. Everybody's so nice there. I, I didn't even know what to do with myself, but I'm excited to be here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. You already know I'm very excited about this discussion topic, so good morning, y'all. Oh, glad to have you. We have a special guest on the line with us as well, uh, Dr. Anthony Grady. So we'll get him introduced to our intellectual outcast out there listening. Thank you, team, for being with us. Um, you've been on one of our um, community checkup, which is our mental health Zoom. So this is your first time being on the show with us, and we're glad to have you. Um, but if you will, say hello to Ashley, hello to the intellectual outcast listening. Again, there's a lot of background noise. I don't know where you're at, brother, but it's, real, it's coming through real clear on the show. Man, I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. Uh-huh. I'm at a um, with my daughter, so I'm just out here, man, hanging with the kids and just trying to do some positive with this back to school. So I apologize, but I'm excited. Uh, nah, we good. We gonna make it work. Now nah, yeah, we gonna sir. make it work. But glad to have you on. But if you will, uh, can you give a little bit of your background um, before we even get into this morning's discussion question. Uh, well, thank you for being with us. Yeah, you know, um, mental health. Um, practice social work for over 20 years. Jumped in mental health probably about 15 years ago. Um, I own my own practice. Man, big advocate about education. Really trying to educate young people and families. I do a lot of domestic relationships. Um, I'm the coordinator for Indiana Lake County Domestic Relations 
just the advocate, just the big advocate trying to figure out how we can battle some of the impoverties or misnomers that plague the black community, but just society overall when we talk about mental health and just stability. No, glad to have you uh, for understanding you are a, in a sense, trauma specialist. So glad to have you on. Um, again, our co-host is Ashley. So if you will, Ashley, say hello to Dr. Grady, and we'll let the cat the bag on this morning's discussion question. Yeah, good morning, Dr. Gray. Nice to meet you. I'm sure the conversation is going to be amazing. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, Ashley, before we tell them the actual discussion question, you need to add a little more of your background and why you were so excited about this morning's discussion. So <laughs> your background out there first, and then we'll expose the discussion question. Again, I go by the name Black Socrates. If you are a first-time listener, we delve into all of our subject matter matter via the form of a question. Our, our concept is to take the Socratic method. If we ask the right questions, maybe we get to the right answer one day. So with that said, Queen, give them your background as well. Yeah, so um, I want to say, like, back in 2013, like, I became a pure romance consultant. Um, so I sell adult toys and novelty products. Um, And it's not just the toys, right? It's having these very intimate and personal conversations with men and women about their sex lives, products that might work, and things in life, you know, that impact your performance and, and ways that you can open up and have a better expression of self and sex and sexuality, um, by incorporating toys or just having better conversations. So, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for that background because, again, you were glad to be a part of this conversation. I'm glad to have you. As I always tell people, we are the best in the world at necessary conversations on race, sex, culture, and business in the African-American community. And so let's get into this subject matter that can be very scary. We talk about it all the time. Um, I will give out the phone lines, hoping people will be or won't be afraid to share their stories. I'm going to embarrassingly share my own story for this morning's discussion question. First time having sex, memorable or do-over? First time having sex, memorable or do-over. So I hope some of you out there listening are not afraid to kind of share some of your stories. Again, I'll be sharing some of mine after this first break, but we're going to start the way we always start. Um, Ashley and Will, Dr. Grady, I'll be asking you this as well, but I'll let, in a sense, Ashley, my co-host, show you how to do this. So what we, the way we always love to start is just basically when you heard the question worded that way, what was your first initial thought, Ashley? What was your first thought, Queen? <laughs> uh, I I will say my first thought was like, they not ready for this conversation. <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> nah, I could dig it. I could dig it. All right, Dr. Grady, same thing for you. You don't go into the second and third thought. This is just when I called you and say, hey, which is, you know, you were amped to say, yeah, I'm brother. I'm willing to support you. So I said, I thank you and appreciate, you know, as you're out there handling and taking care of your family, we appreciate you. You made time to come on, so I do appreciate that. But with that said, when I said, hey, here's the discussion question. I didn't ask you this yesterday when I asked you to come on. But when you thought about the question, do you recall your first initial thought? Yeah, man. How was it for me? <laughs> I, thought about, I thought when I first started, and, and, and I actually honestly thought about the experience that I had, and it kind of took me back to really appreciate my adult version of that question today. So, I mean, yeah, it made me think about, man, really? Oh, wow. It was, it was actually, cause you don't think about it no more. You kind of right. like, okay, it happened. You move forward, but it made me really think about it and actually made me really process, you know, my position in that situation today. 
So, yeah, it was actually a good question for me to think about, too. It's been a minute. No, absolutely. Um, I realize, you know, I've been doing this show actually for seven years, for anybody out there listening. And um, as I was preparing for the show, I realized I thought of something I've never thought about, thinking about this very question, right? So it's like, it rem- well, kind of like what you said, you really never think back to your first time. Like you just never think you obviously remember when you started. Everybody can say, "Oh, I started at this age," or "I started at this age." But when you really process that first time, there's a lot to unpack. Some people have, you know, great experiences, funny experiences, and sometimes, you know, some unfortunate experiences. So what we hope to do for everybody out there, as much as we, you know, want you to call in and share your stories if you're willing to, um, part of this conversation is, the, you know, a, a, a fun side of it, but as Ashley said they're not ready for this. There's aspects that I think is worth, de- you know, dealing with and talking about when it comes to this, to this discussion. Uh, you know, like even I thought as I was getting ready for this show, even thinking about where I was for my first time. Right? I'm gonna we're gonna go to a break here, and when we come back from the break, I'm gonna open with the story of my first time again. Very embarrassing, but even the concept of where I was, literally. Uh, just the thought that I literally, as a country boy in a small town, my first time was just kind of in a little place on the ground in the back in the woods behind somebody's house. Um, just even the idea of that, because, you know, as an adult, you're not being, typically, hopefully, you're not just being careless of where you would lay down or whatever. But when you think of something that's so important to us, I could imagine people's first times could have been any anywhere and under a lot of different circumstances. So with that said, let's go to this first break. When we come back, I'm actually going to come out of the break, actually just give you a heads up. I'm going to share a, a story about my first time with both of you, and that will kick off this morning's discussion, and, hope, and I'll give out the phone number after that and get other people's in as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. This morning's discussion question, first time having sex, memorable or do-over. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince Fine of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? 
Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address in case I get a chance to swing by there? I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendrick Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. What do you know about sex? I know a little bit. Oh, yeah? What little bit is that? I know. I take a girl, stick my thing in it, and nine months later, a baby comes out. <laughs> you think that's it? Basically, yeah. Well, remember this. Any fool with a dick can make a baby, but only a real man can raise his children. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, first time having sex memorable or a do-over? Our special guest is Dr. Anthony Grady. Thank you both for being with us as we hear a quick little cut, funny cut from one of my, my favorite movies of all time, Boys in the Hood. Uh, but with that said, I'm going to go ahead and get this story about my actual first time out the way, get my embarrassment out the way so we can not laugh and focus on me for the rest of this show. Uh, but if y'all will, bear with me as I read something that I actually wrote about my first time years ago, and it just so happened I'm bringing it up on this show. I absolutely love women. When I was in the fourth grade, I used to brag about how I lost my virginity when I was four years old. Some of the girls in my class believed me. Thing was, I wasn't exactly, it wasn't exactly a lie. At least until I turned 11 years old, and my best friend, who was three years older than me, and I, my, um, three older, I'm sorry, older than myself, convinced this 14-year-old girl to let me off in her stuff. We went into the woods behind her house earlier playing, I'm sorry, we went in the woods behind her house, and I jumped on top of her. I started humping away, just like I did when I lost my virginity seven years earlier playing mommy and daddy behind my grandma's house. That's when the 14-year-old girl cried to my best friend, was watching right there beside us he doesn't have it in me not understanding kept humping away because it felt good to me my best friend stopped me and told me i needed to put put it in that's when i made what at the time would be the biggest mistake of my 11 year old life and said i don't know how to do it the girl asked my best friend who she really wanted to be with in the first place to show me what to do she showed me and i jumped back on got it in a couple of times, still not understanding where or how it really was supposed to go. Obviously, that day, I discovered I had lied to my classmates. I had been a virgin for those seven years of my life and hadn't even known it. Now, back to the ca- catastrophic 11-year-old mistake of mine. The little escapade took place during the summer of 85, right before the fifth grade and my first year attending the middle school. I was This was also the first year I would have to ride the yellow bus to school. All my other, either my mom took me or I walked with my classmates. But that year, I had to take the bus for the first time. And I was very nervous, especially since there were high school students who rode the same bus with us. My first day of middle school, I went to the bus stop in my new school clothes to get on the bus. When the bus finally arrived, I waited for the driver to open the door, and I nervously walked up the stairs. When I got to the top of the stairs, a few of the eighth graders started chanting as they dragged their words out. 
I don't know how to do it. And he promised he wouldn't tell anyone. I was very upset with my best friend for letting the cat out the bag, and I had to withstand these chants for almost an entire school year before they died down. My fifth grade classmates from the neighborhood were the worst. It made the most fun of my obvious lack of knowledge of the opposite sex. They boasted about knowing how to do it and bragged about their first time with the girl. When I got older, I realized their boast gave them someone to pick at and hide the fact that they too were virgins. Nevertheless, these chants were so traumatic in my young life that I wouldn't ask a girl for a dance at one of the school's famed sock hop dances my entire fifth grade year, not realizing very few boys ever got up enough courage to ask girls for a dance in, the, in their fifth grade year. Although I don't think that would have been, although I don't think that would have, I would have been afraid if it wasn't for the entire school knowing I didn't know anything about girls. I guess the other fifth grade boys had their own fears or just wasn't as interested in, at 11 and 12 years of age as I was in the opposite sex. So we spent our fifth grade year at sock hops either chasing each other around or watching and admire the seventh and eighth grade girls who seemingly had no problem with not only asking girls for a dance, but also asking uh, for slow drags as well. It wasn't until my sixth grade year that I would garner enough courage to ask a young lady to dance. The first two said yes, building up my courage to approach what to me was the brightest star in the sky. In the, it, the, it was near the end of the dance, and I knew I had to ask before the sock hop was over. I had dared ask. Finally, I was forced into action when the DJ announced the last song in a long-time standing tradition at all school dances. It was a slow song. I walked up to her and popped the question. You want to dance? She didn't say no, but she didn't say yes either because my classmate asked her to dance at the exact same time. So then when she decided between me and my classmate, who also happened to be my best friend at the time, since the previous one now was in high school and couldn't have a sixth grader as a best friend, she chose him. But what did I expect? She obviously remembered I was the one who didn't know how to do it. Ashley, I'll start with you, Queen. Um, yeah, it's just fortunate. Like, to me, that that is like, I'm sorry that you had that experience. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, but I, I think that's, like, more common. And as our babies get younger and, like, information is there, like, I, I feel like these things are going to continue to happen because there's so much oversaturation and exposure um, that happens with all of this information out there. Uh, absolutely. Dr. Grady, is a, again, as a, a therapist and someone who does this type of work, uh, how does that my first-time story come off to you? Again, my whole fifth grade year, I wouldn't even ask a girl to dance. I, I, I just, people would just run up to me and go, I don't know how to do it. Like, I was in my whole fifth grade, <laughs> grade year going, going through that. Because my eighth grade boy, told on told I didn't know how to do it, man. Man, you know, I mean, when I hear that story, man, it's not so uncommon. I think that what you get is, is you're not the only one that goes through that because I think a lot of, as I say, they, they perpetrate that they're actively involved, but everybody wants to be in that group. But I think the thing is, is that your boys think it's kind of funny because, you know, when you're growing up, your boys kind of rib you and drive you, but at the end of the day, the traumatic experience that you had that you realize now as an adult, 
was kind of like going through the motions as most kids do now today. And so as we talk about that, man, I think it's cool. I think that it's kind of funny because it does happen. Because I think we all go through that, even with my own boys, when I think about that story. But at the end of the day, I think that whatever you learn from that to hopefully better increase your approach to this subject as you get older. So, I mean, it's just not uncommon. I think it's something that you hear about a lot of times through a bunch of different people in the different avenues, no matter where you are. Yeah, the part that makes me smile is how I literally thought, I, I used to literally, until I found out I didn't know how to do it, I literally thought me hunching on a girl as a four-year-old, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was cool for us, though. Think about it. When we was growing up, humping was safe. Like, it was safe. It was yeah. fun. It, it, was, it was a natural thing. But today, the difference, only difference with it is that humping to us was we had to sneak and get the magazines to see what people was doing. Today, the exposure is greatly different to the point mm-hmm. where they see more graphic things. We didn't know. You know, we, if you catch a mom and dad doing it, you're like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. Because that's the only exposure you probably would have caught walking in on them. Other than that, today's exposure is totally different. So the conversation yep. is different. Your conversation is innocent because that was what you really did. We catch you, we hump on, we fell on you. Now these kids are actually involved because of not only the peer press, but what they see. So, yeah, it's different. Mm-hmm. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, that's definitely my experience, you know, catching, catching, walking in, you know what I mean, and then emulating. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Definitely what had me hunching. And not that I kept <laughs> doing a bunch of, I didn't do a bunch of hunching, but I literally would brag to my friends that I didn't have sex before. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, and even I can remember in the fourth grade specifically, so at four, I hadn't even started school, right? But I can remember specifically in the fourth grade, I can still remember bragging about it. And everybody thought I was the man. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, now, now, of course, again, at the time, I don't know about actually putting it in, right? Because so I'm saying I've done it already, and I was the man even as a fourth grader because I hunched on the girl, but again, I wasn't calling it hunting because I thought hunching was actually having sex. So, you know, just to highlight that. But either way, either one of y'all, anyone want to jump into any of your personal stories about your first time or get to know what the hell you was doing? Because clearly, I didn't. And I had an observer, if you will, right? And and to, to be able to tell the whole story about how I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um. So, I mean, I'll, I'll share my first story. It's a little... Uh, traumatizing, and I don't know that I've ever talked about it as an adult on, like, such a large platform, but um, my experience for me, like, growing up, I was, my mom is a reverend, so, you know, I grew up in the church. I was a preacher's kid. Um, Yes. And I know in another conversation we had um, on this show, I just talked about how, like, you know, Growing up in the church, um, like, things are different. There's different expectations on you. Um, So I actually did not lose my virginity until I was in college, Um, but I had never had any conversations about sex, how it works. I don't even think in my school, like, we had sex ed. Um, So my first experience, I met a guy at school. Um, He took me over to his place. We started having sex. Um, And, like, we, you know, like, we were making out, and then 
we attempted to have sex. Like, thankfully, I had the the wherewithal to be like, no, we need to use a condom. We wound up using a condom. Um, and then, unfortunately, like, a week later, I contracted an STD. And so that was my first experience. And it was it was really, like, demoralizing because the guy told me that I didn't feel like a virgin. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I've never had sex. I don't even know what this means. Um, and it was just kind of like over before I even knew what was happening. And it was like so traumatizing for me because a lot of this comes back to that, that church, that religion, um, where it can sometimes do harm because for me, once it was all over, yeah, once it was all over, I I was like bawling my eyes out and I was like, oh my God, who's going to want me now? Like, I'm not a virgin. Um, I've, I've contracted an STD, like, oh, my gosh, how is this even happening to me? And, like, I I called and um, called one of my good guy friends at the time, and I was like, hey, you know, like, this is what happened. And I was like, you know, if if you had a choice between choosing someone who was sexually active versus a virgin, like, would you choose the virgin or would you choose the person that was sexually active? And he's like, I would choose the virgin. And, like, that just further for me solidified your feeling about oh my gosh, like, (laughs) there's, there's nothing I can do about this. And so, like, from there it really like changed my mindset and really put me on the mission to better understand sex, to better understand um, like our responsibilities and making sure that we understand the gravity of the situation and like, are you prepared for this step? Do you know what it means? And so I have been an extreme advocate of making sure that people understand their rights. And like, we might get into this later in the conversation, but you know, there's, there's a part of me that feels like for women, um, up until a certain point, sex just happens to us. We're not active participants in it Mm. per se. And so that has been my goal, um, you know, in joining pure Mm -hmm. romance and like doing all of these things is making sure people understand the power that comes from knowing your body, knowing what you want and really pursuing those things. And, and just like the final thing, like the thing that just added icing on the cake to make it even more traumatizing is like, once I told my mom that I was no longer a virgin, like she didn't talk to me for a week. And so like, it just Mm -hmm. added insult to injury. So that was my first experience, not to, like, take it down a bad road, but, you know, I, I don't – I think there's a huge disconnect when it comes to men and women when you're talking about um, crossing the threshold into sex and, like, what that means for each partner and the responsibilities that come with it. Well, let me clarify. First of all, you're not taking it down a bad road. We, you know, again, as fun as this conversation could be, this is – this is exactly where we want to go, and I'm blown away by how traumatizing your first experience. I definitely want to hear Dr. Crady's thought again as a as a as a professional. Um, but then I'll just say this real quick and turn it over to you, Dr. Grady. I'm just blown away even just hearing her experience, having myself growing up in the Bible Belt of the South, and knowing that quote unquote she's a church girl, if you will, and that's her first experience. I can only imagine how even more traumatizing with having that church background that moment is because I would assume, mm-hmm. Ashley, for you it's like, oh, it's because I sin, I have this disease yeah. that probably all connects. Got ain't got shit to do yeah. with that. But I can only imagine and you was the church girl who waited that long, whereas where I'm from, we think the church girls are the get offs or the jump offs. Just keep it in a bunk. Dr. Grady, please jump in here, Kim. Yeah. Dr. Gray, did you put yourself on mute, maybe? I'll still see you on the line. 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You might have put yourself okay. on mute. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're yeah. good. I, I think I was listening to that story, and I was just thinking back that, you know, that's not uncommon to guys to try and, I, I hate to say manipulate, but kind of, you know, mm-hmm. set the tone for, for trusting. That trust me, trust me, trust me, and then she experienced that her first time, which is very traumatic. And and then it changes perspective because it makes you have trust issues about the people saying that they really are into you and want to have that intimacy with you, but trust them to be who they say they are. And so I was just yeah. thinking about my first experience. That it's funny. I was thinking I could have had sex coming out of eighth grade, and I had the opportunity, but I was I, I froze and I didn't do anything, and I left it at that. But I remember my first experience with a girl that's probably two years older than me in high school. And it was actually somebody I knew's cousin. And it was just like, man, the 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 time she took to teach me, the time she took with me, because I did know, I think that's what made me appreciate it better. Because my experience was different. She was really actually nurturing and kind of walked me through the process to get me to understand oh. what I need to do. She wasn't mad because I was kind of hemming and hawing and stamming it. She actually walked me through it. And then from there, I think my experience was different as a male because usually males are the aggressors or at least the, the foreseers to make it happen. She actually invited me over her house, and I was a little shocked because it was somebody's cousin. And so I, I couldn't believe that, you know, she was really into me like that. So I, I just hate that, that that traumatic experience happened for you, especially being a church girl, because again, there's this certain cognitive ability that, hey, you shouldn't be doing this anyway till you do this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. And then for your mom to be mad at you and not talk to you, you know, I understand. But the thing is, she she to talk to you because now she has to educate you on, hey, you've had that experience, but this is what it needs to be. So I mean, a lot of times right. I think that this day and age, even hearing that with you, then parents don't want to have this conversation now with their kids about sex. That they they let somebody else do it. But then their kids are yeah. learning on the internet, and then they're mad about learning on the internet because they won't have those yes. conversations. That's that the concern. Right there. That's the concern. Now that's perfect. We're going to go to another cut here, and you'll be surprised. Actually, I have a similar story. My second time having sex, so I'll get into that as well. For the caller out, callers out there, if you want to get on this discussion, you do have to press one. If you're online, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that's six four six. Seven eight seven one six nine one. You have to press one. Callers, make sure you press one if you are trying to speak. If you're just listening via the phone, no problem. We'll be right back. For all I ask is that you think. You know what I think now? I got something on me. You have some pussy yet? What? You have some pussy yet? <laughs> yeah. 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 When? and I were kicking it up on Crenshaw. This group of females rolled up in a rap. Right? Everybody trying to bum rush, trying to jib and all, right? Man, there was just one girl. Everybody was trying to rush. Baby was poor. <laughs> you know, body was booming, like right out of just centerfold and stuff. So I'm like, eyeballing that. She walks right up on me and she busts out. Is this your ride? Yeah, you want to go for a ride with me? She said, 
No, I want to drive. Let's see. Can you drive stick? She said, I can learn if you teach me. <laughs> well, now I go to my Mac Daddy mode because I'm starting to get a woody in my sweats, right? And I said, why don't you give me your number and I'll call you for a lesson? She does. About a week later, I'm over to her house, right? Her mom and grandma are leaving for church. You know. I walk right up to the door, man. As soon as I go inside, boom, we go at it. Non-stop. Kissing, hugging. Right, so I pick her up, take her upstairs. Well, about 20 minutes into it, mom and grandma's come home. Seems grandma forgot her purse. Yeah, I guess you can smell a sex in the air or something, right? She's straight towards Keisha's room. Mm. <laughs> That's the last episode, Keisha. You know, I call every once in a while, but uh, when I do, her, her, her mama or grandma pick up the phone and say, she can't talk right now. She busy doing the dishes. What'd you use? I used the number she gave me. Why are you sweating me? I had to use nothing. She said she was on the pill. How many times I tell you, if a girl tells you she's on the pill, you use something anyway. Pilling will keep your dick from falling off. I don't understand why you insist on learning things the hard way, Trey, but you're going to learn. Oh, yeah, you're going to learn. No, you're going to learn today. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Our special guest is Dr. Anthony Grady for this morning's discussion question. First time having sex, memorable or do-over, as we hear another cut again from my favorite movie of all time, Boys in the Hood, is Trey Cooper Gooden Jr. lies to his daddy, which is Against the rules of the streets, right? You never lie on your on your on your dick, as we used to say as kids. He lied on his dick. But the thing that stood out to me the most in telling the lie, he talking about we was at it for twenty minutes and this is his first time. So he lied <laughs> within the lie. Uh Ashley, I hear you laughing, so I'm gonna let you get your thoughts off on that cut, then we'll go to Dr. Grady. Yeah, I I just I feel like it's so pivotal, like I, it's so crazy to me that, like, in having these conversations, right, I think that sometimes adults, parents, whoever, forget that, like, even in you asking kids questions, like, there, there's this lack of, but do you understand what I'm saying? You know, like, his dad talking to him and being like, you know, um, the pill is not going to stop your dick from falling off. You know, like, are you making sure that these babies – know and understand like you can't approach it from your level of understanding or awareness you really have to take it from like this is someone that does not know the consequences they don't know what these things mean and like you have to know how your child your niece nephew whoever you're talking to you have to know how they learn how they understand things so you can break it down to them in a way that makes sense like I had an ex-boyfriend 
his younger brother was going off to school, you know, and I had a conversation with him. I shared with him my first time and like, you know, this is what happens. Even with somebody saying something, even with testing, like you have to do it regularly. You have to be engaged in your sexual health so that you can protect it. And like, there's nothing wrong with you making the best decision for yourself, but you have to do it from a place where you're informed. And I don't think that we do that enough um, as a community, as like people looking out for the younger generation, like we can't assume that they understand what these things say. And like that conversation was a perfect example of like going a little bit deeper and making sure the comprehension is there. No, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Grady, to your point, uh, when we did a show on, you know, um, have you talked to your children about sex? And it was alarming that still, like you said, to this day, parents, are actually still afraid to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's, what really, that's what really came out of that show. And so what happened was, in our era, we were coming out of the, in my age group, I, we were coming out of the AIDS, you know, ep- where the AIDS epidemic was kind of happening at that time. So the beauty of a John Singleton movie was you were calling it in a movie in a realistic way. So that was kind of like a way for us to catch some of the game, even if our parents wasn't having the conversation talk to my Phyllis mm-hmm. Smith's credit. She talked to me till I was blue in the face. So my mom did her thing when it came to it, um, and it was because she didn't want me to repeat her cycle. She had had me at 14, and she was adamant that I not repeat that cycle. So she stayed on me mm-hmm. in the worst of ways. But I know for some people, it was a movie cut that gave them a little piece of information that they wasn't even getting at home. Um, Dr. Grady, your thoughts about that cut as well? You know, funny, when I hear that, that, that you know, I think two things. So sometimes I think too much. One clip is there are not enough dads doing that, what he did to his son, saying, hey, bro, protect yourself. Any fool can make a baby, but it takes a real man to raise one, which he tried to show him when his mom dumped him back to dad to say, hey, look, it's your turn to take care of him. I've always wanted to. The second thing is, is the misnomer is with black males is, man, excuse my friends, fuck as much as you can, get as much as you can because it's out here. And I think that's the misnomer because we send a poor message because then our boys are reckless. As you see, a bunch yep. of kids being had with no lack of support or responsibility. So when we go back to the basis, it's like, okay, look, sex is a natural act. Sex is something that's going to be fun and memorable if it's done right. But we also have to be mindful that because of today's society, they expose, again, I go back to that exposure, there are a lot of kids who are not having sex. That's the funny thing about it. And they're, and they're masking it because they're able to get into social media and talk tough and talk how they want to be and be who they want to be. But they're really not doing it at all. And then when they get into it, Nobody's having that conversation, especially if their parents have had a bunch of kids. Because what I notice is kids are learned vessels. They learn from who they get it from. And so if you notice, mm-hmm. a kid sometimes that has a baby early, the mother had a baby early. If dad has multiple kids, the son has multiple kids. The question is, can we break cycles and teach more the behaviors of, hey, let's be responsible? These conversations aren't being had. You know, and yep. everything is hidden through social media. And so we have to get back to the basis of let's have these real conversations if it, even if it's, it's almost like talking about black and white, even if it's going to be a little defining to make me feel a certain type of way, I'd rather have it. I got two girls. And my thing was, it ain't no boyfriends. I was rude as hell. Like, my daughter wants to do me to boy. I turned my back kept walking. I let her know, you got responsibilities first before you bring anybody to me. And so once we get that established, then we Love do whatever it. we need to do. But I'm fortunate that they don't have kids. They both have their degrees. And if they decide to do it, that's great. But right now, the focus is it's education. I tell kids all the time, get out of school. You got enough time to do all that funny stuff. But when you get to, to that ability where you have the mobility to move around, the question is, do you have the tools to be able to manage? So 
So like you're talking about the young man going to school. Yeah, you go to school, you're free to do whatever. But do you have the tools to be responsible? And that's where you see a lot of sexual assault cases because now you have that freedom with no structure. That's where the disconnect is. Or some of these girls get loose because now they don't have anybody to watch them. So there's a lot of things that go into that. So that clip is so powerful. People miss the point. They think it's funny satire, but it has a real message behind it. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's again. That's it. It ended up being my, uh, in a sense, favorite movie. Um, I was in high school or whatever, but it was just really. I remember the first movie ever when it ended. I stayed in the movie because the message of fathers are needed was highly put in there. Even though obviously he was putting on display a piece of the world that most of America didn't know. It was America's underbelly or whatever. And now, you know, some of that aspect of that culture is all throughout throughout America, if you will. But the bigger message was, you know, a realistic approach by a father, if you will, of how to handle, in a sense, children today. And so to a degree, um, to Furious Styles' credit, as you know, obviously a character um, that Lawrence Fishburne played, uh, what I thought to his credit was even him understanding how to be a part of his son's world, to be able to have the dialogue. And that's another place where our parents sometimes can miss, in my opinion, just throwing it out, right, for for something like that, that, that at the end of the day, our hormones run wild to the point where, as I mentioned, the idea that I was literally in a patch in the woods, I could also imagine that people's first time could have been some crazy place because our hormones are what they are, and eventually we're going to get curious and want to have sex. And so any information from our parents absolutely can help with uh, just the idea of it, and the further you go with it, the more prepared, the more the better the decision can be made versus having to listen to a peer. Because clearly, even in that example, Lawrence Fishburne, as his character says, you know, did you use anything? And his still son's first response, so clearly saying, I've been telling you to use something. And his first response was, hey, she said I didn't have to because she's on the pill. And his father says, hey, let me reiterate how many times I've been telling you not to make that mistake. And so it really points to, even with the messaging, to Ashley's point, based on a level of understanding, he still kind of missed the boat. So in my opinion, it makes it even more imperative that you figure out how to reach your child so that they will mm -hmm. act on it. Can I, can I add something to that? Yeah, please add to it. Uh, I got to. Let me add. What you said, listen, you know something that's critical you said is the responsibility. That's the word that's missing. The ability to take responsibility because the thing is we expect, and, 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 it's, and it's dumb on, men's, on males' part, is we expect for women to take care of themselves. You're supposed to protect yourself, be on the pill, have everything necessary, and our job is just to give, give it to you. And I think that's where the problem is, the responsibility that everybody has a role when it comes to sex. Because guess what? At the end of the day, when that baby's made, that's a dual role. And so as I do co-parenting, I realize that even people who, who plan to have kids or who marry have kids still struggle with the ability of managing the kid because now it's a whole mm -hmm. other issue. You'll be surprised how many people out there will have intimacy issues because of what they've been through through their first experiences. Right. See, people don't talk about that, how it carries on. You know, if you were yeah. molested or if you were sexually propositioned or if you chose to go to college and have a threesome and then you come back out or you consider to be a swinger or your sexual deviation has changed because of your poor experience, whether you're male or female. The level of responsibility is the word that's always missing when we talk about these things. 
everybody has a role. And I'm glad you brought that up, bro, because you'll be surprised how many young boys, man, shit, she's on the pill. Yeah, she said she's going to do this. What about you? Where's your condom? Where's your role at? Because as soon as you get an STD from her, you want to beat her up, you know? And if she get one for you, she's supposed to be okay with that. It's just a mental thing that we have to get better at, especially especially in black society, you know, that we have to be responsible because at the end of the day, the scrutiny of us is a lot different than anybody else. And that's what, what the, the faction is. We have to figure this out because it's, it's critical, super critical. We got yeah. about a minute before break. Ashley, any thoughts on that before we go to break? Um, you know, I, I just kind of feel like all of these points, like, come together and say the same thing. Um, and and I, I think that it's so crazy to me that parents will be like, oh, you know, put their heads in the sand about this situation and know that, like, when you tell a child not to do something, they're going to do it. And so, like, it's the same thing that happens when you ignore it or act like it's not there. These kids are going to have sex. And, like, the best thing that you can do is prepare them for it, right? Like, it's, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when. And so, like – you can alleviate um, some of the feelings that you have behind it just by preparing them, just by making sure that they have the facts because there's so much stuff out there on the Internet that makes no sense. Even when you talk about the female anatomy, there are plenty of women that are clueless in terms of, like, um, just the correct medical terms to use for female genitalia, right? So right. Like if that's happening, now, let me do this. Let me do this. Women. Actually, we're up, we're up against the break because I want to get into a lot of what you're talking about right now. So let's do this break, and um, and then we'll get into a lot of what you're talking about. Is what we understand, especially our first time, right? What did we understand, and what didn't we understand? That's something that's worth talking about. So it gets into what you're talking about now. We'll be right back. Where all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreg Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreg Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoregedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. You full of shit. You know bitch gonna be all the way ass no pussy. I bet you I get more pussy than you. Yeah. I heard you be getting that dope-ass pussy. See me? I get more pussy than you probably get air with your wannabe Mac daddy. Wannabe Mac? Who you wanna be Mac daddy? You, nigga. No pussy getting motherfucker. <laughs> Fucking them dope-ass and stupid ass, nigga. Look, you don't know what I be getting. I be fucking no dope heads. I might let them suck my dick. But I don't be fucking them. Nigga got age and shit. Stupid motherfucker, don't you know you can catch that shit from letting them suck on your dick too? Thank you. See, I ain't sick, I ain't all skinny and shit. Nigga, what you mean you ain't skinny? Motherfucker's so skinny, you can
Y'all trying to scare me. No, but can you really get that shit from letting them suck on your dick? Mark. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Our special guest is Dr. Anthony Grady, therapist for this morning's discussion question. First time having sex, memorable or do-over, as we hear another cut from, again, Boys in the Hood. Thought it was poignant. And it really kind of going to where you were going, Ashley. So I'm kind of let you pick up first. Is like what you were talking about is even what you think you know. There's still more information to know, and you can see in that example, obviously harsh language, if you will. We are a raw and uncut show. If you haven't figured it out by now, but with that said, he's in there like, oh, you really can get A's from having them. So it's like you get a little bit of information, but don't have enough information. So you're out here making careless decisions based on some of what you were talking about. So I'll let you pick back up, Ashley. Yeah. You know, there's just, um, I don't know. So there was this, um, this meme that's floating around, like, I don't understand parents pranking their kids and like getting amusement out of that. Right. And, and like, when I think about some of the stuff that happens, like, how are you okay with sending your baby out into the world for anyone to tell them anything, right? Like that parent-child relationship is already like so stressed with kids thinking that they know everything, they they know, they're ready, they're prepared. And like as an adult, you're like, uh, you're not ready. And And it is the responsibility, as the doctor mentioned, it's your responsibility to go ahead and make sure that they are informed, that you're doing the research for yourself so that you understand, right? And And like – it's just so it's so unfortunate because there's there's so many things out here that will tell these kids what it is or what you're supposed to be doing and there's no consideration for someone's mental state. There's no consideration for the physical, the emotional. There's no consideration for that. It's just sex and like there's so many things that happen behind it that can make it traumatizing. And like even speaking on my own experience, like it made it very difficult for me to have sex after that. And to, like, really trust people because this this is not what anyone talked about. This is not what anyone described. And, like, we have a responsibility in protecting ourselves and in protecting future generations to be honest with them and to share our struggles can understand, right? And, like, you, you don't have to go into full details, but I think – a lot of people just don't tell their kids something to protect them and like you're doing a disservice. And I'm telling you, these kids are seeing more than that than what they're seeing online. I remember like one of my friends, her little cousin would always be around us because she was younger and she had to watch her. And like, I would curse around her and she was like, why are you cursing on her? I was like, please believe me when I say this little girl probably knows all these curse words and more. And her little cousin is in the background cracking up and I didn't do it. So like, Oh, I just want to curse, but I'm now establishing a safe space for this little girl to know that one, I know what she's going through Two, that. She can talk to me because she can relate to me. And that's always been my goal. Whenever I talk to younger kids, like, let me, find a way to relate to you, to convey this information to you in a way that you understand. Ah, beautiful. Let me throw this out and hear, you want to hear both of your 
thoughts to it. Again, if you're out there on the line, don't be afraid to call in and get on this discussion. 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. The callers, I see y'all out there. If y'all just listening, no problem. If you want to get in, you do need to press 1. Uh, here's a, a thought when I, when I listen to that cut as well. It's just the idea of the myths that you had going into your first time, if you will, and not that everything that you heard or whatever applied to your first time, but I just even remember growing up in the country and how when young guys, when guys would, in a sense, get their first little peach fuzz or whatever, like, I, I, and I never believed this, but I remember this being said, and some of the guys did believe it, but they literally would say, oh, you just started eating pussy. Like, that was just a, like a little stupid little myth that floated around my country town that a lot of guys actually thought that that was the case. And if the guy had actually done that, he would say, yeah, I've been doing it. So it was kind of like confirmed for a lot of the guys. And they were older guys or whatever. I thought it was clownish. It didn't make sense to me. But I'm just saying these are little small myths. So, Dr. Grady or um, Ashley, can y'all remember any little silly – just to kind of highlight what you're talking about, Ashley, how little you know – and one day you're going to enter into your first sexual experience. So can y'all recall some of the things you had heard or knew prior to your first sexual experience that now, you know, they're clowners to think about as adults, but these things that, you know, your friends talked about or heard, any myths that y'all heard, I'll start with you, Dr. Grady. Can you think of anything? Yeah, I think I think for me was, I, I just think, let me see, what's the biggest thing coming from? I'm from Chicago, so it, it's definitely a different ball of wax here. I, I think that, um, the myth was, was well, there was so many things that went on here. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think the one about eating pussy was really true because we had that here. You know, that means that. But I think when you soon, I think the myth was as soon as you start getting hair on your nuts, you're supposed to hit yourself, and that means that it's time for you to get busy. And I think that was the biggest misnomer because hell, I couldn't even pee straight, but I, I was going through puberty, and I, and I think that was the biggest thing. Carl, you know, I never honestly, when I think about it, shit, I never talked to my dad about sex, never. Like, we've never had that conversation. And so I think that everything that was said was from older boys. And a lot of stuff they were saying was, you know, you do this, you do that, you do this. Mm-hmm. But I think even then, growing up, eating, eating, eating oral sex was a misnomer. Because the girls were like, ew. And boys was like, nah, I ain't doing that. I don't know where you've been. And so I exactly. think that when you started doing that, it made it like you was like the man. Like, dude, he ate that. Like, you was a god. But realistically, you, you really wasn't because it was just a misnomer. And so I think that was the biggest thing. You know, I think that people was like, if you do that, you're a nasty dude. Not understanding that that's part of sexual encounter. So I think that was the biggest misnomer growing up was that if you eat it, uh, you're a nasty ass dude. We can't do nothing with you. And I think exactly. that was the biggest thing. Yeah, that was definitely within the culture. I want to further talk about that, but I want to hear any any, any myths that you were that you had heard that you know obviously you're a joke to you now as an adult. But any myths you recall prior to ever having your first sexual experience that was big in your where you're from, whatever? Actually? Um, nope. You know, like growing up in the church and all of that. Like we, if if my friends were having sex, I didn't know it because I was no, the good girl. So, yeah, and my mom did not play that. Like, I got caught hugging a boy, like, on the side of the gym, and my mom, like, went off. No. So, you know, like, so, I yeah. never so, heard any mis- so you never My got mom never talked to me. Yeah, you never got Listen. 
So I never heard any myths. The only thing that I knew was that sex was going to be painful because that's what the movie showed. That's what everything showed. Um, and the reality is, is that it's just everybody is different. And so it it may or may not be painful. Depends, but like that that's probably the only thing I ever heard about sex. I got you. So let's further dig into which, as you say, you were a nasty guy, or whatever. And so culturally, growing up in the era, because as we said, I could ima- I would imagine that with the exposure that the youth have now, that the oral sex is part of their world, no problem. But I definitely remember when I went off to college and where I was so experiencing this in high school, it was kind of understood within our, in the race that, in a sense, black girls didn't give head and black men, to a degree, wouldn't give head. Because like you said, Dr. Grady, same thing in my, you know, in, for us as well. But what we did say all the time was that white girls would do it all the time. And it was understood that white boys would do it all the time because we had this concept that the oral sex either way was relatively nasty or whatever. And so I remember um, all the way through my junior year in college, I ended up having a white guy as a roommate, and he taught he to- he told me this, and I was so intrigued by this. And I think it's cool to share during this story. So. We, I went to a military school, about 4,000 students or whatever. So over the time, you, you know, kind of kind of a small college or whatever, if you will. And so um, so you kind of know everybody. And he ended up telling me the dynamic. And we were talking about the idea of how, what I was just talking about, how it wasn't the cool thing to do. Now, of course, we were in college, and, you know, oral sex was not an issue then. But for whatever reason, we were talking about our backgrounds. And so I was explaining to him, because he had never heard this, that how oral sex was kind of taboo when I was younger. And he told me that as a white guy, he says, for us, a um, couple things. He says, we don't have game to, we don't have game to, to convince a woman to give us, give us any. So our game is we'll do oral sex in hopes that one day she'll ex- let, let us actually have sex. And that's when he, I responded. I was like, that blows my mind because we're the, in our culture, we're the exact opposite. We will have sex and hope that she gives us head and vice versa. She hopes that we will. So that just blew his mind. Here's the last thing, and I would love to hear y'all thoughts. And the last thing he explained to me that even at that school, again, a smaller college, he said amongst the white guys, they knew that girls who did this, there were girls in college at our school who were considered virgins because they would only do oral still to this day. And some of those girls, their standard was they were still going to wait to marriage to actually have sex. So the oral allowed them to participate in sexual activity, but to never be penetrated. That was mind-blowing. And I thought to myself, I'm like, that shit makes so much sense, but it would never go over in our culture. Dr. Grady, I'll start with you. I agree with you. I think that I agree with you that even even in black culture though, that was the same thing though. You know, if I give if I give you head or if I let you suck on my chest or touch me, it doesn't consume as sex. You know, we, we, we fooling around but it ain't sex and for a long time. But the girls who were doing that in college, they was hoes. Or they, they mm-hmm. bust down, they, they 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 out there. And so that was the thing, you know, and so the the that wasn't too far from what he was saying. Is just that in some black cultures, that was the same thing too. Like, man, I still feel like if I don't, I get your head, 
it, it, it ain't no, it ain't sex. So I can't be wrong for that. But again, the stereotype was that any black girl who was doing that, she was a rat. And everybody was trying to get out of it because that was the experience because she was ahead of most people. And so again, it, it's no different. I just think that we we have grown as a group, but I think we still got a long way to go because we have so many other things we got to work on and work through that just, to me is just a lot more needed in order for, for us to be to be more understanding. Because now these kids are doing mm-hmm. everything. They're doing yeah. everything. And so it's not even a, a thought or, or, or a process to say, look, hey, take your time, do this, because they're doing everything. And, and that's where the issue is. So now it, oral sex, oh, shit, it's like, man, shit, she's doing oral sex. That's nothing. But this chick doing this, they doing threesomes and foursomes. And so it's like just the stigma of the stereotype of what's going on in today's society has definitely changed from when I went to college back in 89, you know, and, and, and then understanding that because the goal was, man, you're in college, man, you get as much action as you want without nobody saying nothing, but not realizing that I have buddies who have babies freshman year of college. Now they dads, they still 18 and they still don't know how they're going to get through paying their tuition. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a different era. I don't even understand how to explain these kids today what they're doing. It's just totally very different from when we grew up. Well, well, partly due to these lack of messaging and they're raised with social media and have access to, as you said, I may have seen my, which was the situation. I fought, jumped, fought, you know, sneaking or not sneaking in, but, you know, running on my mom. That's a very different experience to being exposed to it every day. And so it makes it more imperative that people have these conversations. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. True Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. 
become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Dialogue and connect. That's what we do at the Mental Dialogue Community Club. We are not just a talk show. We are here to connect you to people like our special guest, Dr. Anthony Grady, specializing trauma therapist and many things. Um, our special guest, Ashley Thomas, you will hear more about her. And some of you already know she does our Making Money Matter Mondays, which is where mental health and money meet. Um, every second Monday of the month. So, again, we are more than just a talk show. This is just our opportunity to communicate as we end up trying to connect you to people that you need who can provide you seeds for you to progress your own life. That's what we're here for, not just a talk show. With that said, this morning's discussion question, first time having sex, memorable, or do-over? So, yes, very different era. Um, Dr. Grady said a lot there. Uh, but I wanted to explore something that I'm starting to see is dialogue, and I'm pretty sure you heard this to you, a blue in your face, Ashley, is dialogue about the idea of even, in a sense, waiting to marriage, or even if it's not a waiting to marriage, but just kind of understanding to a degree how we've, in a sense, maybe went a little overboard in our sexual freedom aspects of this country, if you will, and people are starting to realize maybe they should be more intentional, if you will, about their partnerships or if they're especially if they're wanting to elevate to a marriage and learning these aspects of, in a sense, less sex or no sex prior to marriage. So I just wanted to hear um some thoughts about how that even plays in a in a world, as Dr. Grady said, where people are just out here and everything's okay. There's nothing taboo. Uh, have you heard you know, that, that train of thought, and can it even apply in 2022, in your opinion, Queen? Um, I, I think that, I think it's possible. There are definitely, I mean, there's fewer people that are holding on to that aspiration um, than probably when we were growing up, um, because, like, you know, waiting until marriage was, like, um, something that is, preached on in the church and, you know, um, there, there's something to be said about like the quote unquote virtuous woman. Um, so I, I think it's still possible, but I think that it would require, um, being able to have those open and honest conversations, um, with, with people just so that they feel, one, knowledgeable, but two, so that they're making that decision from a place of power and not necessarily peer pressure and everything else that's going on. And I think that comes down to critical thinking and making sure that your child understands the responsibility, what happens once this changes, what are the pros and cons, what what are the consequences so that they can decide for themselves, like, is this something that I really want to do? And And I feel like, you know, all of those little tangents in there is, is the part where we are lacking in reaching those kids and making sure that they understand everything. I feel like most people either approach it as like until you're married or this could happen and then they show you like pregnancy, they show you STDs, they show you all of these things, um, or it's like, you know, you're going to go ahead and do it anyway, so do it, versus like 
here are the ways that you could go. Here's what could happen. And and listening to, like, everything before the commercial and getting to this point, I was like, people are probably so knee-deep in their own shame and guilt around their own experiences or not even going back to think about those experiences that – that they forget about those things and forget to include those in conversations. And I think that's how we really change it and empower people to make the decision of like, do I wait? Do I give in? Do I just do oral, you know, just by sharing our stories and sharing our feelings behind it and work through those things instead of projecting our own insecurities, our own shame, our own guilt onto these younger people or even our peers and, and trying to get them to do or avoid the same things that we did. No, I love what you're saying right here, and I'm pretty sure Dr. Grady has a lot to say with it as well. And so let me just kind of move into what you're, what you're talking about, is to realize that as adults, that as you just said, Ashley, there are still aspects of what we learned early or our own experiences that are still with us when it comes to mm-hmm. the of sex to the point where you don't, you don't think, let me make sure my child, my niece, my nephew, my cousin isn't out there on their own like I was. Mm-hmm. So we unfortunately mm-hmm. repeat the cycle of not sharing because we're still unfortunately contending with what we heard, the miss we learned, the, the fear that we were told. Here's something that got brought up on last week's show. Um, by one of our callers, Frank, which was amazing, and I think it's per- pertinent at this moment. Dr. Gray, I want to hear your thoughts to this. And so he, on last week's show, we were talking about do wives see, do sex as a chore or whatever. And one of our callers, Frank, one of our members, and mentioned a lot of members support us, if you will, one of our members called in and he said um, that in his culture, he's from Ghana, that there's so much fear and shame around the aspect of sex that even with the women, some many of them still waiting till marriage, the sex in marriage is so bad for the man because they're still operating within the marriage from a place of this is a bad thing to do. So they don't even have freedom within the sex to even apply it properly to their husband. And he offered that in his culture, a lot of men have women on the side to get those fantasies that their wives would never give them because they've been taught so much shame and fear around sex that they actually will apply it even though they are allowed to do it within the marriage. Your thoughts, um, Dr. Grady, to that, because I think it absolutely plays a role in what we're talking about today. I mean, you know, it's funny. I was listening to the whole thing. I think that one thing that I hear is I think things have been so widely accepted this day and age. Like, it's okay to be a swinger and it's okay to do this. I think the roles of sex and understand it has changed dramatically. I think even with that situation, I think that's not even just in Ghana. I think that's today. That if my girl ain't doing what I want her to do, there's somebody that's going to do it. So I'm going to get that experience. But then I got to justify why I did it because you ain't do what you said you was going to do. Because I think that we don't learn together sexually. We learn from our own experience mm-hmm. and then we try to blend it together. I think that's where the disconnect is because we start having sex and making love or, or, or fucking or screwing. But are we really learning what pleases each other other than the fact that you have orgasm, I have one. You may have a couple, I may not. What are we doing to learn each other in this process, which will eliminate some of that? I think the other thing, too, is that people are not even telling it. I think there's a small point saying, hey, don't have babies now. But some of this stuff is glorified. Like when a kid has a baby, when I was growing up, they sent your ass down south. You disappeared for six years, 10 years. 
And so I think, to me, that's where the disconnect has really become an issue. And so we have to get back to making sure that the responsibility and the level of responsibility are there across the board. And so no different than back then, we go back to some of those old-school value systems. Because guess what? The grandparents were the one really saying, hey, look, we can't do this, do that, do this, while the parents were still trying to figure out who they were. So roles are definitely reversed, and what we see is sex. Sex is wide open now. Shit, it don't make no difference. It, it could be anything, and people are okay with it. That's the problem. Yeah, here's here's how it leads to a problem within our relationships to kind of jump to that space. And for the callers out there, if you want to get in, you do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. I see a couple of callers out there. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. And press 1 to let us know you want to speak. So how being out there, as you said, and opening things, are just like you said, it's kind of open season, if you will, so here's the aspect of the difficulty of actually trying to consummate a, a real relationship or a marriage, if you will, is when it comes to the sex, something that is extremely important to the actual relationship, right, is sometimes a lot of these experiences unfortunately hurt how you will move when you say, you know what, I am ready to settle down. I am ready to be responsible for a family, whether that's male or female, right? And so the the sex part is you've had so many experiences for some people that having your spouse be enough can be very, very, very difficult due to all of these exposures because, as you said, Dr. Grady, anything goes. And so it's almost like, in my opinion, that it's time to look at exactly what we're doing because spending your 20s and 30s running through women, if you're a man, or flip, you know, or vice versa for a woman, running through various men, if you will, you don't even realize you're hurting your own prospect if one day you're wanting to end up with, in a sense, a family that you're responsible for. At least... I'll throw that out as my, my my first thoughts. Dr. Grady, any thoughts to what I'm saying in reference to how often as we get older down the line, we want this ultimate prize and don't realize we've hurt ourselves along the way all from our very first sexual experience all the way to that moment of saying, you know what, now I want to be responsible for a family. I mean, I don't agree with I disagree. I don't disagree with you. I think that's 100% on, tar- on target. I, I think that we process, I don't think a lot of people process in real time. I think that's part of the issue. We process after the fact. And once it's gone, we realize all of a sudden, hey, we should have did this. I just think that, you know, that first experience, your second experience, your third experience all play a part because they piggyback each other. That first experience is what starts it. The next two is what builds it. If you, if you can't get between one and three how to get what you need out of that, out of that process, it's going to be a long road or an up-and-down road for you. And if you look at even look at some of the things that go on today, why are we not doing things such as threesomes and foursomes and swingers? What are we really trying to get out of this? Where's the pleasure at? Because, you know, intimacy was a real private thing where it's not wide open and it's being accepted in manners that now it triggers so many other conversations. And the thing is that our kids are exposed to it. I think that's, again, why I go back to that exposure. It used to be such a secrecy, and you had to learn that as you went. Now it's wide open. And so when you start talking about now as a man, I want to have a family, I want to settle down. But the question is, how much can you do that once you settle down? When does that urge keep back in for what you was longing for or looking for? That's the million-dollar question. 
you know, it's that is a million dollar question. Yeah, that is the million dollar question. No, absolutely. We're up against the break. Uh, we're going to take this in a different direction because, again, we want to go deep with this conversation. We'll be right back and listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince Fine of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address in case I get a chance to swing by there? I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendrick Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. They broke this work. The victim was 16 years or less. But this conversation is needed so much that it's hard for me. As a as a man, before, I, before you ever gave me this thought, it was hard for me to see the young boy as a victim. Because... Think about how it got exposed. It was the 60-year-old boy showing the video to his football friend. Because that's a bragging point for a 16-year-old. I caught that little pretty 20-year-old substitute. Like, that's how a 16-year-old is treating it. Like, let's keep that above. But now we're saying, hold on. That's a problem. So it is something we got to figure out how to delve into. Right. And, you know, I think uh, men and women tend to experience things or express their experiences in different ways. Um, so when a, a, a minor woman or minor female um, it experiences an older man violating her, you might hear that experience or see that experience on her. You might see the depression. You might see the, uh, um, the, the issues, like visibly see it, like, oh, wow, this had a negative impact on this person. A boy, he might be smiling and joking and stuff like that while he's 16, and he might genuinely feel happy, like, yo, I've smashed a substitute teacher. Okay, what happens when he's uh, 36 and 46, and um, he has to go drive past the high school or whatever, um, or he see a, a, a little girl walking down the sidewalk? Um, you know, where's that boundary? Where's the psychological boundary in his mind um, on if he's going to approach that girl for sexual favors or not? So now, yeah, you smash a substitute teacher at 16. Now when you get 36, 46. Now that 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 cycle, that emotional memory revisits you. Oh, I can do this. This is actually okay. Whether you're conscious of it or not, I'm pretty sure it comes back to you. Well, it was done to me, so it's obviously a, a boundary that I can. So that's why I said we just need to talk about these things more, uh, and and try to talk about it in a way where we're not demonizing right. um, the the person that 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 committed the sin, they definitely deserve to be punished and all this stuff. But sometimes we get so caught up in demonizing them and all oh, that creep that they deserve to die, they need to be buried under the jail, that we we, we we lose time on unpacking how what's going what's going on in the mechanics of a person's mind that crosses that boundary. What happened? 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, first time having sex, memorable, or do-over. Our special guest is Dr. Anthony Grady, trauma therapist, is with us this morning as we're digging into this conversation. And you hear a cut actually from uh, one of our video podcasts named Just My Three Cents. Uh, that brother was Eli Marcus and we were talking about, I don't know if you ever recall the situation where the substitute teacher got in trouble uh, with the um, young man down in Florida um, sometime last year, and we were digging into that. And first-time sex for a lot of people, unfortunately, can be a predatory situation, such as what you just heard from the standpoint of your first time with someone who was not just older than, you know, my mind was 11 and 14, if you will, uh, but again, we're still both young and teenagers, if you will, but your first time could be 16 and 20, 16 and 22. And that's not, unfortunately, uncommon. And so what if that's your first experience, like you, in a sense, hear Eli talk about, and now you have no sense of boundaries when you actually grow of age? Uh, Dr. Grady, any thoughts in, in hearing, again, this first-time conversation can go a lot of places? Hearing that, I mean, but again, it's perception. So, you know, for, for boys, depending on what group you're in and where you're at, that shit is you the man. With females, it's depending on, on the females, they can say that you got privilege, or it goes into reverse that you got taken advantage of. Again, I think it's all about your perception of the situation and how you see it. I think that, you know, because men and women look at sex so different and they look at the behavior so different, it's just determined based on the individual situation. I do think that people get their predators that look at people's weaknesses, especially kids, and try and lure them in. But then I think there's those that really are interested in the kid, and the kids are interested in them, which is ironically funny. And I know people may not agree with that, but there's a 16-year-old that likes his substitute teacher who's 22, and she's attractive, and she thinks he's attractive because he has a little physical shape. The question is, is it appropriate? And I think that's the main issue. And how we view that appropriateness then determines on how we deal with other things. So. It's a, it's a big, it's a, some gray areas there that we have to look at in the day. And the gray area becomes very gray if you if they actually go through with it, right, Ashley? Like, like again, like if we're honest, culturally it's been okay, especially years ago, for older men to, in a sense, even wife or teenage wife, if you will, right? And, a, and so, so there's cultural aspects that we, in a sense, frown upon. But when you actually go through with your first act of sex that can change things greatly in your understanding. Your thoughts as a woman hearing that cut where we're in a sense talking about, in a sense, the, the, the man, quote, unquote, as I admitted on that video, I still had trouble seeing him as a victim because at 16, I definitely would have felt like I was the man uh, from, like you said, based on my male perspective. But let's dialogue about this. Again, this is part of first-time sex because sometimes it is with a much older person, unfortunately. Um, so I, I would say that there's a whole nother aspect that has not even come into it, which is like self-worth, self-esteem, and are we affirming our little girls? Because I've always been overdeveloped, right? So for the people that have never seen me, like, right, I've been 5'5 five five since I was in third grade. So I've never had any problems with bullies because I've always been tall. I started getting breasts when I was in third grade. I was wearing my mom's bras in fifth grade. So I was, I was a triple D in fifth grade. Wow. I've always had the same shape. Um, so I, I've had 
thick thighs. I've had a butt. I've been hourglass shaped my entire life. Um, and I, I never, as a little girl, heard my mom tell me that I was beautiful or anything. So for me, when I was growing up, like if an older guy was approaching me, it felt good to be able to get that attention because here's someone that sees me. It, it wasn't until I was older to realize like how predatory that is. But this, like, there's so much that we have to do to protect our babies and to affirm them and make sure that they know their worth and that they understand things um, because there are people out there that are looking at that. And, like, as a little girl, I felt like the shit because, like, here's this older guy that's trying to, like, you know, holler Mm -hmm. at me or, like, talk to me, and and it, it makes you feel good. Um, but then to be an adult and see that now is like, what what are we doing to protect our babies? And and I hate the narrative when people like call little girls fast because of all. No, these are grown ass men that are approaching these babies that don't understand, that don't get it all the way. And you cannot put this on these little girls. And right. like even for any little girl that might be as fast as you think she is or whatever. It, no, the onus is on the man, the grown-ass man that knows what the hell he's doing and not on the little girl. And, like, culturally, we are very quick to call our little girls fast or something else. They're babies. They don't know what the hell is going on. And, like, how are we protecting our little girls? Yeah, we're making so, excuses. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, grew, I grew up hearing that term, especially in the South little fast ass and things of that nature and it was so mm-hmm. common it was so common that you didn't think about that really you're protecting the perpetrators by referring to mm-hmm. as being fast right I'm about to say that. I agree with you nope. I agree with Go you ahead. that's fact yeah. yeah there's a whole culture so, we're lining up protecting yeah. the perpetrator just by speaking that language and making it normal because we obviously didn't think it was a problem because we would say it out loud amongst each other. So, so we all yes. we're all we're all okay. We're all okay. So we spend more time trying to make sure our children are not bad. Yeah. Right. But so then this turns perpetrator accountable. We don't hold that person accountable, and we know exactly who it is. And we actually let them get away with it and hold the kids more accountable for their behavior. How does that work? Yes. Yes. And so now we create this cycle where these little girls now, you know, like that's the same attention that they're seeking. That's the same thing that they're looking for. They're looking for men to approach them to like, quote, unquote, hunt them, right? Like it's about the chase now. And they're still not understanding what has happened, how someone has taken advantage of their naivete, you know, like, like, this is what's happening. And, and so, like, what now when you talk about entering relationships and, like, engaging in sex as an adult, like, to Dr. Grady's point where processing happens after, what happens then? What safe space are you creating for your partner to be able to strip those layers and unpack those things and, and, it, and it be that you still continue to show up and you still continue to create a safe space for them? Because anyone that 
that has had a traumatic experience, the thing that will take you into your shell even more is thinking that you have a safe space to open up about these things and that not be the case. And I would really challenge people that look at sex as like just an act or something like that to look at it as something more. And, and like, how did this impact this person? How has it shaped and changed their world? How are they showing up for me? And like, for me, it, it's just a call for grace because where you could um, choose to talk about someone or treat them negatively, you can also choose to step back and look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this person encountered all of these things and like they're still trying to show up and be vulnerable with me. How am I going to handle this with care? How will we handle each other with care when we have the ability to open up and share our scars? And like so much of what we experience in our community and not just sex, is is like this tradition of fear, right? Like that is our generational curse as a community. Everything that we have experienced in this country has been about fear. And until we can really see each other and create safe spaces for each other, like what we're doing right now on the show, until we can have those opportunities, like it's always going to be a clash for our babies, for us, for seeing each other, for actually hearing each other and understanding each other and giving each other grace because these things connect with each other. These small steps lead to big steps that have big impact on people, and we're missing that. And we're missing how to handle each other with love and kindness and compassion and grace. Yeah, we're missing it to the point where these early experiences – go, oh, go ahead, Dr. Grady. I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I don't mind. Go ahead. We got, got about a minute and a half. Okay. Listen, okay. my question yeah. is okay. I guess my new question is how do we address this situation? We talk about first time sexual experiences, predators, making poor choices, fear, lack of communication, lack of understanding, lack of communicating the understanding, to understand through the social media aspect that's dealing with our kids today because we have to look at what we're dealing with now. Social media drives everything our kids do. How do we address sex and that first-time experience while dealing with social media, which is now our new challenge? Because our kids have a whole different world. As parents, we're on one realm. These kids are 10 realms deeper than where we are, and we can never catch them. So how do we deal with that aspect? Because that's the newest um, phenom now, this Internet and sex and exposure. Yeah, that's real. Um, I would just offer, I'm not saying this is the full answer, but my first initial thought is a little what we're doing now and, and, um, mm-hmm. and, and also understanding that the things you're talking about, because they're so natural, we're going to do the, you know, humans are going to, I always say, humans are going to eat, sleep, and fuck no matter what, right? And so because those are natural things, even what we're doing now will still always have trouble competing because there's more desire for those things. So even, you know, even in me offering that what we're doing now is a solution, I'm offering that very, very aware of that it's not going to be taken in in the massive way to the things that you're talking about, Dr. Grady. But I am highlighting that for parents asking that question, there are places on the Internet who are, you know, have more reach than I have. I reach about 1,000. Sometimes sometimes I'll hit 2,000 in a month, but I'll reach 1,000 a month. That's very minimal. But there are places on the Internet that are doing what we're doing now bigger and better. And so in a sense, because it's the information age, I would challenge to answer your question that parents go seek out the places where they can present their children more wholesome options on the Internet. It doesn't mean they're not going to go sneak over there and see it anyway, but here's the unfortunate reality. As as the hip-hop generation, early in hip-hop, there was some balance in the music. The issue that we see now is we feel like there's less balance 
on the commercial side of things. So I'm just highlighting to say as much as you can find that presents positive imaging to compete with what they see on the Internet every day, that's your first bet because there's plenty of options on the Internet, but you have to go seek it and put it in your children's face. That's my first response. We're up against the break. I definitely want to hear um, Ashley's thought to that when we come back from the break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. I see your caller out there. If you want to get in, you do have to press 1 to get in the conversation, 646-787-1691, and you can give us your three cents. I'm never surprised when I do sex shows, people are afraid to call in and talk. It happens every time. Every other week, I got four, four yep. five, six people calling. But when I do sex shows, <laughs> never a caller, never a caller for these shows. All right, we'll be right back. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreage Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoregedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. girlfriend. Look, I took the hold of Burger King. Cheap date. You shared time for me. So you messed around to prove a point? What'd I just say? No, you got your head so far up your ass, took a cheap date for you to notice me. <laughs> what cute man? Did I forget to kiss your ass like everybody else? You forgot to be there. That night you wanted to talk about your dad. I had curfew. What was I supposed to do? Stay. If I stayed, I wouldn't be stark. Well, at least you got your priorities straight. I've never asked you to choose. You never have to. I'm a ball player. If anybody knows what that means, it should be you. If basketball is all you care about, why are you boning me? Why don't you bone Dick Vitale? Wait a minute. Hold on. How do I know? The next time you're feeling neglected or whatever, you're not going to just run around on me. If we're going to be together, I have to be able to trust you. I'm not asking for us to be together. What? I'm going through a lot of shit right now. It's obviously more than you got time for. How, how, how are you going to tell me what I have time for? I mean, what, whatever I did, we can fix this. I don't think so. You don't think so? Look, I'm entering a draft. You what? I'm going pro. Hey, who knows where I'm going to end up, you know? <laughs> when did you decide all this? A few days ago.
so so that's it. Just just forget about you and me. I still like us to be friends. See you around. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, first time having sex, memorable or do-over, as we hear a cut from another one of my favorite movies, Love and Basketball, and Sanai and Omar Epps, their characters break up in that moment. And I brought this to the table because here's another unfortunate reality of entering this space of sex quite often is we're in the boyfriend-girlfriend era. This is really a kind of a unique era as much as it, and as common as it is and as much as it makes sense and this is the normal process. Humans have really never dated when you look into the history of relationships and marriage, dating is kind of a new phenomenon for the human experience. And so when you start getting into, okay, well, now we're going to go ahead and intersect into the situation. What the, 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 the cut we just heard, and Ashley, we'll start with you. The cut that we just heard, and Dr. Gray, you have daughters. The unfortunate reality is that's more likely how, if you are fortunate enough to have a sexual experience, because if I remember in the movie, Omar Epps was her first, right? He wasn't, she wasn't his first, but she was, he was her first. And so if you're even fortunate enough to have a so-called committed boyfriend after your first sexual experience, if you even go through that experience, more than likely it's going to end some way, somehow with this type of pain. So in, in, in even experiencing and enjoying your first Term experience, if you get tied to someone, it's more than likely that that will be the end because, as you heard in that clip, men to a degree or boys are naturally going to be more selfish and do their thing when they feel like you ain't meeting the standard. It happens quite often. So I think that too should be part of the conversation, not just the sex itself, but the emotions that come with it. And in my opinion, there's also good advice to consider avoiding that in situations that are not going to be long-term. And early on, like Dr. Grady has smartly advised his girls, handle your business because early on, we don't know nothing about loving y'all as young boys. That's real talk. Ashley, your thoughts, Queen? Um, yeah. That... <laughs> That movie is just, I, I don't want to use toxic um, because it's so overplayed, but I, I don't think we really question the expectations that we place on other people. And I think this comes back to processing those emotions after the fact. And um, it's so unfortunate because I, I think oftentimes we're so 
we're so starving for connection that we turn to other people before we turn to ourselves. And like I'm I'm 100% guilty of that as well. And so I think, you know, if nothing more, this this clip has highlighted like how important it is that we know ourselves, that we know what we're going through and then we ask people for what we need. We don't expect it, we don't demand it, we ask for it. And we create a space where people can honestly tell us whether they have the capacity to do that. You know, like, and, and if the shoes were turned in, in that clip, I feel like, you know, it, it would be um, if she was not understanding of him having to meet curfew, she would have just been a horrible girlfriend, right? And so, like, are you really creating space for people to show up and give you what you need because you're asking for it? And I don't think that that's coming to it. And I think that's part of the reason why we have to have these conversations. Why? And, and part of the question before going into this clip was like, you know, um, like how do we bridge that gap? How do we overcome it? And I feel like it's by, acknowledging ourselves, like welcoming ourselves home and getting to know ourselves so that we can interact with people on a level that makes sense. Because everybody that we meet is not someone that we should be interacting with sexually, um, relationship, friendship-wise, whatever the case may be. Like not everyone can be the capacity that you want them in. And until we know ourselves and have honest conversations about ourselves and what we need, we can't even go about having the appropriate people in our lives. Absolutely. Dr. Grady, we did an amazing show uh, called Why I Won't Let My Daughter Have a Boyfriend. It is partly because of this cut. (laughs) But I want to hear your thoughts, kid, because, again, typically even being focused on having them not have sex too early, as we said earlier in the show, eventually that's to a degree probably going to happen for most. And so what is also yep. not being included is all the additional stuff that goes with it. And then when it comes down to the specifics between the genders and men, boys, generally speaking, being more naturally selfish, we keep our head on the swivels. As I said on that show, young girls are not taught to keep their head on the swivel. So by keeping their head on the swivel, meaning don't have sex with a bunch of boys, but don't let somebody tie you down with the title a girlfriend and their head is going to still be on the swivel naturally, whether even if they have good intentions. That's why it's very imperative that you understand, in my opinion, narrow down your involvement, sexual involvement, if you will, when it, it can, it's going to play on your emotion and scar you for future relationships. Your thoughts, Dr. Uh, Dr. Grady? We got a caller actually. You know, it's funny. Um, when, I, when I heard that clip, you know, I know that movie very well because it's also one of the greats. But I was just thinking, and as you said, this is an open show. So I recall my daughter, great to go to Miami for one of her first trips. Uh, my daughter's in college, sorority. She's doing what she wants to. So I remember my frat brother because I'm in a fraternity. So we were talking to her because she had told me, well, you know, I go out and, you know, guys, buy us drinks. We ain't got to have no money. And I was like, at first, my first, are you fucking out of your mind? That was my first response. <laughs> but my line, my line brother said, and, and he kind of threw me for a loop because he's just like me. And he was like, are you silly? He said, you're going to have to suck some dick or get smashed up. They ain't just want nothing for nothing. And my daughter was looking like, because it caught me off guard. Because I was like, damn, that was real real. But then I had to realize, I'm glad he said it. Because right. her misnomer was, because I'm a female, they're going to take care of me. They'll do this, they'll do that. But at the end of the day, there's an expectation at the end of the rainbow. 
when that's done, and then guess what happens? Bitches and hoes and fuck yous, and then somebody wants to get aggressive. And that's not every guy, but then that's that mindset that I get all this and you ain't giving nothing. See, this is the yep. things that those conversations that need to be had. So when he said it, I was like, my man, let me buy you dinner because it came from somebody other than me. Because that, right. dad, dad is a dickhead. Dad don't, dad don't understand, but dad do understand. Right. Dad, dad plays the fraternity. Dad played ball. Dad knows all this because dad at that point was a young man who was out there hanging out. Never buying a bunch of drinks, but I had no problem dating and being with people. And so as I grew up, I understood that. Then I wanted to make sure my babies were having a bunch of kids because I'm not taking care of nobody else's kids. I'm not for that. I'm not going to let you be mistreated. So when I hear that clip, and I also think about his dad was a pro ball player. Mm-hmm. And his dad's infidelity and his behavior because mm-hmm. his mindset was going to be like my dad. Until the reality kicked in on his mama. See, that's the difference now. His mom was feeling a certain type of way, so now he's looking at his dad like he ain't shit when he was idolizing his dad at one point. We have a bunch of different variables that play a part in these scenarios, but the biggest thing is making sure, and I think we said it a thousand times, you can't say it enough, and I appreciate your comment about that internet, keep having communication. Because if we don't have communication, we're setting them up for failure. And so I'm a real dad. I tell people all the time, I'm a real dad, I'm a real therapist. You ask me a question, I'm going to tell you that shit's stupid as fuck, but it may work if you do this. I'm a real dad. Hey, girl, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Because at the end of the day, you have to protect yourself. And I think you said it best. If you don't protect yourself, ain't nobody else. You can't find happiness in somebody else until you find happiness in yourself. So I think we do a lot of that, especially we talk about being developed early, having a body, getting all that attention and all that. But it was the wrong attention because they weren't looking at her age or how bright she is. They're looking at them big-ass titties. Right. I'm going to fuck her to death. So, and, and, that's, and that's where the misnomer is. Because, again, these are the predators. When we talk about those are predators. Those right. are actual predators. And then those are the people we need to deal with, and we fail to do it. Because I know back in the day when I was growing up, if you was an older guy, you preyed on one of the young girls' neighborhoods, man, they beating the brakes off your ass because you know better. See, that, that's gone out the window. And I remember my cousin having sex with one of our homeboys. I was going to beat the brakes off, dude. She begged us not to beat him to death. But then she had seven more kids. You know what I'm saying? But right. it's still a good because she takes care of her kids. And that's one thing I can say. I'm not happy with the outcomes, but I'm happy with the responsibility that she's taking. And so, I mean, it's just a, a whole bunch of things that we have to talk about that we have to keep these conversations going. I appreciate you guys for this because it's so underrated, especially in our culture. No, absolutely. For the caller, 609 last 3891, I got to go to break. I'll come bring you out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. 
You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me again at 404 404- Six zero four nine four seven seven, or follow us on social media, IG, mental underscore dialogue, and DM me to advertise with us and support us. If you're an individual, go to mentaldialogue.com and become a supporter or a member of the Mental Dialogue talk show and community club. Keep intelligent radio on the air. This morning's discussion question, first time having sex. Memorable or do-over, special guest co-host Ashley Thomas and special guest Dr. Anthony Grady. We actually got a caller, area code 609-3891. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. 891, you're live on the air. Ashley, are you there? Just checking to make sure. To yeah, I'm here. Okay. 891, going once. You're live on the air. You raised your hand. Going twice. Going three times. All right. So we still at zero callers for the sex shows. It never fails. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So it is what it is. Uh, But uh, Dr. Grady, poignant points. Um, I love your realness, brother, because because here's the error that we're in. As much as we keep advocating on this show that these dialogues need to be had, it's like to me, it's, it's, it's like without pointing out the nuances, we, we will fail to do so. And so, I, like you said, it was like you was initially shocked when your brother, how your brother responded. Because it's like, wow, is he talking to my daughter this way? And you realize, oh, you know what? This is actually going to work because you were just speaking, in a sense, how you see the situation as a man. Right, as the father of your children, and so I remember I once put a post up on the IG, and I'm trying to remember exactly what I said, but I said something to the extent of, I will teach my daughter to never go drinking with the boys. And in today's environment, I'm getting attacked because I get attacked because people start going, "Hey, well, what about these boys? What are, you know, what about teach the boys not to?" And so what I explained was if I don't have children, but I'm looking to get married and copy you and have children. Um, but in the, I said, but what I explained was, I said, for me to protect my daughter, I have to give my daughter the game because here's the reality. The majority of boys are not predators. That's the reality, despite what we may say in today's times. However, for those boys who were not raised properly, who don't have an understanding, who, who who do expect something for a drink, right? I got to give her the game for those boys 
who were not raised properly. And if she listens to my game, then I'm not have to do nothing that makes me spend the rest of my life in jail, as I'm pretty sure that's how you feel about your girls as well, Dr. Grady. But I'm highlighting this to just to 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 highlight even what provision of these conversations looks like from us as men, even though some of our provision of our girls, if you will, is frowned upon because it's like, well, what do you say to the boys? My sons, in a sense, are, can be preyed on, but not in that manner. I still give them game for how a sister may prey on them, right? But it's still very different, and sometimes we don't like to recognize those differences. I think that has to be a part of these conversations as well. Dr. Grady and Ashley, your thoughts. I'll start with you, Dr. Grady. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think that we, we generalize a lot of things, and I, and I don't mean to say that, too. That's why I always make sure, and I had to learn that. I don't want to generalize and make everybody seem like they're part of the problem. Uh, I think that a lot of times, you know, the ego and the image that comes with things perpetuates that behavior or that mentality. You know, and one thing is that I have to ensure that my daughters, my daughters um, understand their role, and that's something I'm accounted for because they, they, they can't, they can't, nobody can do anything to them a lot of times without their consent or their ability to allow them to do it. And so as we talk about that and not saying that all young men are predators, I think a lot of young men are predators to their, um, to the peer pressure of supposedly this is what should happen. And if we can get them to understand that you're only accountable to yourself, no matter what anybody else says around you, you have to be comfortable with that. I think that's something that we also miss uh, communicate is that being uncomfortable in your own skin is now a big thing with young people. Like we had confidence out the wall. Hell, I probably couldn't hoop, but I had to get on. I look like I can get it in real good, and you couldn't tell me nothing different. But these kids today, shit, they won't even try because the lack of confidence or the lack of self of self behavioral awareness has gone out the window. And so, and I'm, and I'm gonna digress and come back. We start adding things like COVID. Um, now we have video games. Kids don't know how to communicate without being on the system. These things also play a part in that first experience. Because you got a lot of kids who, who have not had sex or sexual encounters because of that lack of communication or that lack of being able to communicate yeah, with real. others because of their confidence. Yeah, so real. now we have kids that are, you know, I got kids who they got friends online, but they ain't got no friends in school. And they go to school every day. And they talk about everything online because guess what? We are able to hide. Because mm-hmm. you can't judge me if you don't see me and know me. You know what I'm saying? And so right. the kids that are more out there, and, and that's the difference when you look at young people is, there's a difference between being 14 and being, and let me explain what that means. I got 14 year olds that are really 23, but then I have a bunch of 14 year olds that are really 13, 14. And so mm. when they get with these groups, because they can't communicate, because they don't understand, because they haven't done it. And then when they say something and it's not really on target, they get ostracized. It makes them revert back to that, I'm not dealing with nobody. Or what's happening now, and people don't want to talk about it is, I'm dating and I get hurt. So now I look at our opposite sex as a form of comfort. Or I'm, or I'm I'm balancing between the two to find out where my comfort level is. These are conversations that are happening right now. Where we talk about praying, I have, I have seven eighth graders in a school of high schoolers. If we talk about praying, these boys and girls are praying on each other, whether it was same sex or or or, mm-hmm. or heterosexual. 
behavior. Mm-hmm. So the problems start younger. It's not just older. They're preying mm-hmm. on each other, and they know this kid is a, is thirteen, and you seventeen. And the conversation is, are you fucking out of your mind? And so these are the other things that we need to address and deal with today. Right, thank you for those thoughts, Ashley. Um, yeah, please jump in again. I know I kind of just offered, you know, some aspect of, uh, you know, the aspect of even the dialogue as it applies to women and men can be different as a father. I just kind of threw that out. Any thoughts from you? I know you and I have had some personal dialogue about it. Yeah. And I, know you, I, know, I know you've highlighted how frustrating it is. And I'm just like, yes. as, as, your, as, your, as your male friend, I still got to tell you the truth, regardless of whether it's frustrating or not. Any thoughts from you, Queen, in reference to how it applies to this? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, You've already expressed, like, I have frustration there, and, and it's because, like, there are so many things, like, how we want to ignore sex, and then we want to bring it in, and I, I'm just looking for equality, right? Like, if, if you're going to um, warn your girls about predatory men and all of these things and like the same conversations need to be had with our boys about if you're not serious or if you don't understand that this person might be taking it this way then go ahead and like move on to the next person you know so like for me it's about how are we covering our bases and I feel like with the focus on just the girls and I understand it you know I'm not knocking it I understand the focus being on girls but we also need to be having these conversations with our boys so let me let me jump in right let me jump so let me jump here I'm I'm cutting you off on purpose but I was going to jump in so what I'm saying is the majority of boys are not that issue so I'm saying there are plenty of boys who do get that but here's what equality doesn't play out. I'm just kind of breaking it down to you when it comes to the reality of somebody being harmed. So where it doesn't play out is it's not as simple as, yeah, having those conversations with the girls and having the conversation you have that you're talking about having with the boys. Because we say it as if there's not enough boys getting those conversations. What it is is based on people's life circumstances, there are still going to be some boys who don't get those conversations. And even if we do what you say, Ashley, based on their life circumstances, they're not going to get those conversations. So I have the conversation I'm having with my daughter for those boys. I have the conversation with my sons for those girls who are not getting this message. So what I'm saying is, yes, it, the equality ain't just simply what we say to our girls and say to our boys. As the provision applies to those who don't have those life experiences. So does, does that make sense? It's not, so it's not even as simple as we need to have these different conversations. There are some people that never get them, and some people are, who are just evil. So we prepare for the worst-case scenario. So with my boys, the conversation is what you're saying in addition to the kind of young girls who may try to take advantage of them. Because people, both sides take advantage of each other. It's just done in a different way. Agreed. And so, so I'm just saying just understand that the dialogue is focused on how and how and why you could be taken advantage of. We give that to our boys and our girls. It just has to be said differently. That's what I'm just trying to be very clear on. If that yeah. We got a couple of minutes. Mean, if, if, yeah, if that's the case, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I just think the most important thing is that we're having the conversation, and by having the conversations, we create the space for our kids to come to us and not and not approaching it as a parent, but taking yourself back to your first time, to how right. you felt 
so that you can create this space where they can come to you. Because if you genuinely have that relationship, if it's there, your kids will not have a problem coming to you big or small and letting you know what they hear. And if they're not, there's a bridge there that needs to be um, dealt with and reinforced because your child does not feel that you're a safe space. I love it. Dr. Grady, how can people stay in contact with you? Uh, we got a, about a little minute and 15 seconds to close this thing out, so I want to make sure people can uh, follow you on social media if you have that or any way that they can contact you for your services. Let people know that now. But thank you for your time with us this morning. You've been wonderful. Oh, I'm sorry. I muted you. You have some background noise. I'm sorry. Uh, you're back live now. King, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, man. Well, I said, man, I appreciate you guys. More than you know, man. This is a great dialogue. Man, I look forward to doing more. That's first and foremost. And continue doing what y'all doing because education is priceless. I think that people don't take advantage of it enough. So thank you for that. Um, yep. Any, man, I can definitely give my phone number. Okay. Anything you want to give out publicly, go ahead and share. If it's up to you, whatever you want to share with people. Oh, yeah. My phone number, uh, my, my definitely my number, my uh, office number is uh, 219-318-5572. I got a website too. It's um, HHH as in Harry, M as in Marcus, two L's as in Larry, C as in Cat, at dot uh, gov. And so, man, please, by all means, if I can ever be in assistance or any conversations that we need to talk about, I'm all for it. And just keep doing the great work y'all doing. I appreciate y'all. Money y'all know. Uh, thank you. Text me that website and I'll make sure I share it with the replay. All I yes, ask sir. is that you think. We'll see y'all next Saturday.